your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. This is Alex, joined by Ryan after Everton's victory 1-0 over Arsenal at Goodison Park. It was Sean Dyche's first match in charge. He had approximately, I think, five to six days to get with the squad, get his ideas across. Protests from the fans in advance, marching down the street, huge, crazy aerial pictures, banners out, obviously. The big question moving into the match was, other than you know the performance and how we would set up, would the board of directors show up for Sean Dyche's first match in charge at home? And the answer ended up being no. Yes, really appreciate their support. Danger level at Goodison Park, I know, remains high. You know, all the violence in the crowd and um, obviously I'm being sarcastic. Uh, but it does go to show you that you can protest the board. You can make your point. You can fly airplanes top of the pitch saying out with the board. And the players can still play a good match and you can support them. I mean, it's amazing what we can do as human beings, isn't it, Alex? It is amazing. And, you know, actually one of my favorite banners that I saw over the weekend was the uh, VAR looking banner that said decision, no headlock. I think that summed it up pretty perfectly. Uh, I saw (laughs) some memes, you know, showing proper proper etiquette and form for how you want to put people in a headlock prior to the match. So anyway, Everton fans were ready and it seems Luckily enough for us, the team and the coaching staff were too. Before we get into everything, as usual, follow us on socials if you enjoy the show. Everything, all of our links can be found at linktr.ee slash usatoffeepod. We've also got an awesome uh, Discord community, and that link can be found at invite.gg slash ATP. All of these things are in the description if you're looking for them. Otherwise, let's go into instant match reactions. I'll throw it over to Ryan first. Well, people that uh, listen to the pod probably know this, but um, usually when there's me and either one of you, Alex or James, and usually you, we tend to get a little silly. Um, Definitely have a little bit of a both have a wicked sense of humor. And James is sometimes the guy that just kind of watches us, shakes his head and gets us back. Like (laughs) He keeps the bus driving. He does. He does. Very, very Sandy Eagle-ish from the Muppets, if you know what I mean. Um, So this one's definitely going to go off the rails. I can tell you right now. Uh, You know, the first thing I thought about was and and what I'm always amused is the Sean Dyche comparisons to Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, and the, you know, Sean Dyche 442 shirts instead of the Austin 316, you know, says, I just whipped your, you know, just that stuff just (laughs) makes me laugh. Um, But my instant reaction from Twitter is going to be from none other than Piers Morgan. Dismal Arsenal performance today. We've been bullied around by one of the worst teams in the Premier League. Inexplicable. I love that. That says it all when you've got someone uh, like that tweeting their dismay. uh, Clearly, you made things awful for the other team. And I thought it was an absolute thing of beauty. Yeah, I think the Everton official Twitter account kind of memed that one as well with with a picture of Sean Dice smiling in the snow when when everyone made a huge deal out of the fact that he didn't put a coat on for 10 seconds a couple of years ago. I mean, for me, I've learned so much this week. I mean, I already knew how to escape a headlock technique wise, but I felt like that was a good service (laughs) announcement for a lot of people, Um, you know, for people that are getting bullied at school and stuff. I thought that was very educational. And now this, you know, uh, yeah, it's all been just such a strange week on so many levels with so many changes. Um, But one true constant remains in his unwavering voice 
for support and optimism for Everton Football Club. That's right. My instant match reaction is none other than Sean Khan at KingCon225. He said, the optimism train has fueled up for the ride the past week, and what a start. Excellent response against the league leaders. Our press was suffocating, and we created so many opportunities which were encouraging. It had to be the Burnley connection to win it. Absolutely buzzing. And I couldn't agree more. It was fantastic to see it. I think everyone was kind of memeing the fact that it could be, you know, McNeil to Tarkovsky um, for a goal. Obviously, we'll get into how that played out um, and why it was so effective and kind of how we referenced that beforehand. Um, But otherwise, it was definitely a, a solid performance. Yeah, we did. I mean, he loves Tark, so you knew he was going to be in there, and and it was good to see McNeil, him getting more of the best out of him. Um, So James insisted that we put in a match reaction for him, even though he's not on the pod, which I think is highly questionable, to be perfectly honest, Alex. <laughs> I went, went away. He's went setting you up for anyway. a trap. Yeah, I think he probably is in some fashion, but, you know, fine. I'll play his silly game. Um, He picked Hugh at Aussie Toffee Art found myself smiling uncontrollably and remembering why I love this game. The organization was beautiful. And so was Onan. And I think we all, we, we had an internal chat. We always do have a lot of them going, uh, Alex James and I, and it was more about how enjoyable it was to enjoy a win. And, and, um, I think it lifted a lot of people. I've been a little down. I'm sure you have too. It's hard to not be affected by it. And I think a lot of people said the same stuff, but if anything, it gave us a, a glimmer of hope. Um, but that being said, there were actually a lot of people that really did think that we were at least on the discord server going to get a result out of this. I was a little surprised at some of the optimism, but we had a lot of score predictions that, that were right. Actually. I mean, even Sean yeah. Khan had it only as one, one, right? <laughs> so much for the optimism train. You're making me look bad right now, Sean. I just said that you were the one ready for it. Anyway, uh, we had Carmel Crunch 10 with a uh, correct score prediction. The Real Mep 23, uh, DL, Hellhounds of War Barks, Sludvigs, Wakefill, SK, and then, of course, Sean Khan had it at 1-1. Um, plenty of correct score predictions. Again, invite.gg slash ATP. Join the Discord. Get your score predictions up for every match. But Ryan, why don't you open it up? We'll transition into the lineups. Um, why don't you kick us off with Arsenal? Arsenal uh, played a little different lineup in in their FA Cup match, um, but they've been very very constant in their last several league matches, especially since uh, Gabby Jesus is not there. Um, ben White's been playing as a right back. Um, Party drops a little deeper in the midfield. Uh, lets Odegaard have a little more freedom. Um, Xhaka sits back a little deeper and obviously collects cards like, um, you know, like old folks on their birthdays. Uh, I, that's, I, I don't know how I feel about that comment. Maybe that's going to be taken <laughs> the wrong way. Sorry. I'm I mean, they're the not only deleting people it. that's, well, I'm like my mom. She's, she cares about cards and stuff now. No one does that anymore. So it's a nice tradition. Maybe we should do it more. Anyway, um, Jorginho is on the bench. I mean, the bench is, is different. Um, it was, it's almost like a four, one, four, one shape in possession. The bench is interesting. You've got Vieira on there, uh, Tomiyasu and, and Tierney give them some depth out wide. Um, uh, yeah, Kivier is, it was in there too. He's their new signing, um, really talented center half. And obviously Trossard's there is kind of like another big attacking option for them. I mean, they made a lot of acquisitions and I, I think it's safe to say they, they don't have that much depth. So I think some of it was badly needed. If they want to make this title charge and hold people off, 
obviously got to play better than you did today or yesterday, buddy. But um, uh, and Kichi has really been on fire, too. I mean, that, that's been the big difference maker for them. I mean, to have a striker in form makes a big difference. Um, and the Everton lineup had a couple twists. I mean, I think we're asking a lot of questions like, what's that going to look like? You know? Yeah. And, and you know, Sean Dyche said to the media um, early last week, hey, no matter what's happened in the past, every player on the roster gets a, a, a clean slate with me. I'm going to decide based on the system I want to implement how we can, you know, complement our players uh, the best way possible. So we did see some interesting choices. Um, a lot of big question marks we asked on the last pod were addressed maybe favorably or not so favorably. The first person, uh, Cody ended up starting um, right next to Tarkovsky in the center of defense. We stuck with the same fullbacks, Coleman, Mikalenko. Um, you know, maybe surprising or not. My, my big question is, what's up with Mina? Why did he not come in for, let's say, Connor Cody? Um, we went with a with a kind of a central midfield, Onana, Ducore, and Ghana Gay. That was good to see again. Most notably, Ducore comes in. I think that was his first start since August. He's really not got a lot of game time. We've discussed him in length on the podcast as well. So um, interesting to see. And then we had McNeil and Awobi kind of on the outsides, um, flanking Dominic Calvert-Lewin, trying to get close to him when the ball was was launched far. Um, both of them definitely had a solid game, which we'll get into as well. But Ryan, why don't you walk us through kind of the tactical setup for the match and how that played out? Because the big question, you know, you see the names on the team sheet, especially for Everton. Um, we had, you know, a general idea as to how they might set up. Um, why don't you run us through how that really uh, took place and, and looked? Yeah, I think I think the initial concern, at least that I had was, I mean, Arteta is different than Pep, but he does have a heavy Pep influence. So he does do a little bit of positional play stuff. And my concern was that uh, they would snuff out the counters because when they would release their attacks, they're in good position. They'd make it hard for us. Um, and Dice played. It was a five, four, one. But I mean, you could see the four, four, two in it a little bit, you know, and, and really what it was is the extra cent, center mid on the ball side was, was given license to attack and, and be more aggressive. And um, I mean, really <clears throat> Dice talked about in his masterclass too. I mean, he's daring Arsenal to switch the ball, which they really don't do, which is really, this is a really fascinating stat. I thought they're only 16th in the league in switches on FB ref. And they really weren't very high last year. Whereas man city's first. So, and I, I think that's important. If you're going to attack the way they do, you've got to move the ball around side to side a little bit to try and change the attack angle. And they didn't do that as, as often. And, and actually in many ways, if you kind of look at what Arsenal did in defense or in attack, uh, their ball movement reversals weren't very good. So, so you had white and Zinchenko in essence playing fullbacks, but pushed up much higher to support the wide attacks. And, you know, I mean, they're looking to Martinelli, whose movement's really good, and, and Saka, who's definitely their danger guy. What a fantastic player he is. And when Everton could, you saw the fullbacks would go out, and then they'd be doubled with the wide player, Wobie and McNeil. Um, and there were times where they couldn't get the double over there. Fine, the fullbacks knew that and kind of backed off. I, I See, I think, Alex, this, this to me was critical in the match, these matchups. I mean, how many times did you see Arsenal kind of stop and, and and they could have reversed the ball back quickly uh, to White or Zinchenko? And you saw a couple times they tried to play a through ball into that wide channel and run someone in behind. Um, I just don't think they did it very well. The passing was bad. I suggested that maybe Dice didn't water the pitch like maybe he did something. With the pitch that, <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's kind of clever game, but. I mean, don't you feel like those wide matchups were, I felt like they had some opportunities and just kind of lacked the quality to pull it off. I don't know what you thought. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and again, I think it, you already hit the nail on the head, right? It really came down to the work work rate of our wide players in McNeil and Iwobi. 
Um, they were on it pretty much the entire 90 in regards to tracking back, but also like the timing of it being diligent and like the positioning and that sort of thing. And that really was going to be the big question mark as to why, you know, we didn't see maybe gray start other than, you know, we found out he had some hip tightness, however we want to describe it. Right. But that was the big question we asked in the last pod, right? How does someone like gray fit into it? Assuming that that would be the role that the wide player plays, um, which, you know, is, is yet to be seen moving forward, but definitely uh I, I think it was definitely a factor of how we made it difficult for them versus maybe you know a large overwhelming you know just lack of quality on their part and, and look we weren't perfect there were some things that we 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 weren't ideal about but yeah those matchups were key it's funny started out with a Wobi on the left and mcneil on the right and i think that probably is a little better in terms of attacking transition um against arsenal who seemed to set up kind of in wider spaces and and there's some chances maybe to get down the middle in front of the center halves. Uh, but ultimately, he flipped them back, and I think it helped. I mean, Awobi and Coleman basically completely shut down Martinelli. I mean, you subbed out after 60. You didn't have a single shot. I mean, this is a guy that had five shots last league match versus United. Look, Saka was a handful. No question about it. You know, I, I mean, it's it's hard to argue that, but he's a top, top player, so I get it. Um, clearly, when Mikalinko had cover, he was in there kicking him. I mean, think about it. We had 13 fouls. That's the only the second time we've been in double digits since the Palace match. And the other one was the City match where we didn't have the ball. So it was almost inevitable. Uh, Mikolenko led the team with three, probably all on Saka, including a yellow card that he had to take. I mean, he was kicking them. There's no question. And, and I think that's his best chance for success. But you can't do that if you're not well organized and you don't have cover. Uh, I thought what was really telling is how few touches uh, Inkita had. Because ultimately, he had 20 touches. I mean, you know, that's by far... The fewest he's had in a 90-minute game. And so when you look at just his 90 minutes, I, I did some some spreadsheeting. Uh, so if you <laughs> no look surprise at, there. Yeah, yeah, right. Big shocker, right? Me getting obsessed into details. Um, so I went back and I looked. Okay, for every time he played 90 minutes in both the league and the Europa League, he averaged over 36 touches in those 90-minute games. Today, 20. I mean, and, and and look, I mean, Alex, look at how how often Arsenal attacked wide versus the middle. It was very telling, I think, and and I, I think we deserve some credit for that. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal went down the left left hand side, thirty nine percent, right thirty seven, and twenty four down the middle. Whereas Everton was predominantly right side with thirty nine. I mean, pretty similar numbers, but uh, in general, as you said, they had to. The whole game plan was we're going to protect the V in the middle of the pitch. We're going to force them wide and it's going to be difficult if you're not going to switch the ball constantly. I mean, that's if you're going to play in possession, that's what you have to do to find space um, to a certain extent. So it worked out. Um, and I liked how I liked how both teams approached it. You know, we ended up having something like 29 percent possession, but it was still exciting to watch. I thought we were organizing transitions and and, um, you know, kind of uh, nulled any sort of offense that Arsenal brought to the table. Well, you saw clear intent, you know, Um and it wasn't perfect. I mean, you could see Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I thought, played very well, even if, um, you know, he didn't quite finish a couple chances. Um, he provided an outlet, and Dice has said this. He's like, look, you've got to have an outlet. So that center forward has to stay up top. Now, a couple times he got caught dropping deep because I think he's used to defending more. Um, but, I mean, he did well. I mean, he was battling for sure. Um Awobi seemed to be the second outlet, really, especially when he drifted off to the right. And I, I thought Alex Wobie played an absolutely fantastic match in that role. Uh, he gave the ball away a couple times off passes, but I mean, he was almost flawless otherwise. And, and Dominic Averly was shading a little bit to the right. So that was clearly, you know, the, the 
the idea with the occasional big reverse out to Dwight McNeil, who was playing very vertically. Look, Everton's midfield was not perfect either. Um, Ghana was mostly deeper. You had Onana left and DeCorey right. And, and, um, I did see a couple times, Onana in particular gets caught up field sometimes and doesn't snap back. So, um, I thought what we did better probably in the second half, even if Arsenal played a little bit better was, when that ball side midfielder comes out aggressively and notice the body position too, to prevent that switch, the backside mid has to drop into space and they didn't always do that. Sometimes they got caught up and, and maybe they wanted to spring, right, Alex? Maybe they wanted to pick off that pass and anticipate it, but a couple times they got played behind into that kind of zone 14 area. Um, but but not enough for them to do enough damage. And, and Odegaard is the guy that's supposed to be floating around in and out there, but he just... I don't know. I mean, not to, I don't want to call him soft or anything, but he didn't seem very comfortable at times. And again, I'm sure Everton knew like he gets to kick him and that's a little bit of it. And David Kudu, I don't think is a very good official. Let him play a little bit. And I think that was a little bit to our advantage. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it played out too. you look at average positions and stuff. It was, you know, we were very compact. I think that's the thing. We're much more narrow than we've seen in the past. You didn't see us getting overly expansive too many times. And and that's ultimately been Frank's problem. And, and it was badly needed. But it's not like we didn't create chances, right? I mean, that, that's the big thing. It's one thing to defend the whole match. But we did we did create chances. Um, we'll get into the flow in the match in one second. But first, let's break for ads. Uh, words from our sponsor. And then we'll get right back into the timeline. Okay, we're back. Now, let's get into the timeline real quickly. I mean, the game started out a little bit us kind of feeling each other out. I mean, certainly Everton were comfortable um, giving them possession. Uh, You saw an early shot for Arsenal. I mean, it's nothing really that big. But I I thought where you really saw, which is great, too, because this is right off the pod, right, Alex? What you really saw is we had four corners from about the 19th to the 22nd. David Molyneux has a little comment here, too. But this was frankly, in a sad kind of pathetic way, maybe a joy for me at least to watch. (laughs) Well, to be honest, it didn't take more than 10 minutes of that match, even if we didn't have possession in in the beginning or, well, really throughout. For me to say and think very clearly, wow, stark difference. The team understands what the roles are. We look good. And I was pretty happy. Um, But yeah, so so we get four corners uh, pretty succinctly, right? 19 through the 22nd minute. And Dave... David Molyneux at DMX551 said, clearly the far post was targeted. Give that analyst a pay rise. I'm sure he was talking about uh, you specifically, Ryan, right? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not paid for my football analysis on this pod, at least not not much. Uh, we give it all away, folks. We're not keeping anything. Um, but we have stickers. Attitude. We got stickers, though. We do. We have too many stickers. Yes, we do. We need some hats and merch and stuff. That'd be fun. Um, so I could take this Cruz Azul hat off after their terrible performances. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we noticed that. I mean, when I was watching their goals from a couple of years ago, too, you saw that. I, I will say this, man. Dude, Dwight McNeil, I-, I said it when we signed him on set pieces, how well he could shape a ball from the corner uh, to the old to, to Frank's staff. Ashley Cole had us defending set pieces very well, but not attacking him very well. If you're a keeper, what do you do on these far post services that McNeil, I mean, the shape of the ball is just ideal. Yeah, and that's that's literally what we went for. Essentially, every single corner, the entire match, we had quite a few of them. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, obviously, the shape of it, like kind of dipping in at the back post. And, and uh, you know, we also definitely had some of the bigger guys blocking um, their defense from being able to back onto the ball as it drops too, which, which ended up, you know, we saw that play out for the goal later on in the uh, in the match. but. Um, overall, definitely nice to see. And, and it's always good because 
We as, as a club have had our set piece issues over the last handful of years, whether that's defending, attacking, or both for the most part. Yeah, Carlo had us fixed, at least in scoring goals. That's why I really want to see Mina, too. Imagine Mina if you pack him in yep. on this. Oh, my, every corner. But yeah, McNeil's got this ability to shape a ball that the keeper can't go after it, and yet it drops right on the outside of the six. I mean, if the goalie can't go get that ball, it's a terrible place to be. We've got tons of numbers in the box, and it's that header back towards the six. That's the one. Um, we scored later on one direct shot, but you saw Chris Wood do that constantly and Burnley throwing numbers and just kicking people and scoring. It was great. Uh, and look, Arsenal had a few chances. I mean, Nkita had had Nkechia had a chance in the 29th on a bad angle that he skied, which is fortunate for us. Um, I think there were other chances. Really, Saka had a had a volley that wasn't crushed, but placed very well that Cody cleared off the line. But look, I, we had the better chances in the first half. I mean, look, Onana had that amazing steal and wide run. I mean, this is so close. He just met Calvert-Lewin by inches. Um, and then right after that, you had that lofted ball to Dom where he kind of flicked it back to McNeil, who had time, space, sent an amazing cross. Where, so, okay, so DeCorey probably should have done better with this one, right? Probably. However, to his credit, <laughs> the fact that he got loose and what he did to get loose from Gabriel to get there was pretty impressive. I mean, he kind of came behind him. So, so look, this is the one thing I'll say as a former former central defender that attempts to try and play theirs there sometimes. when people are making runs behind you meaning as you're facing wide on a cross and someone's making it's hard it's hard, like and you could see try to get crossed in front of him and he kind of gabriel kind of wiped out i mean the Corey's a big strong dude um and he he probably tried to get too cute with it he tried to flick it far post he should have just bashed it a near um and then and then you know honestly we had that other chance right at the end of the half where coleman kind of had like a soft little chip cross and I mean, Dom didn't miss this one by that bad. It didn't have, you know, it wasn't a powerful cross. So Dom really had to throw himself into it, which obviously makes it harder to be accurate. He didn't miss this by much. And and I think when you look at the first half in totality, and we weren't dispossessed once. I mean, yeah, we were giving the ball away on the pass. I mean, 72%. I mean, it, it was a little bit hoofball. Um, but look, I mean, could you argue that we didn't have the better chances? No, we absolutely had the better chances. You know, we outshot them eight to five in the first half. Um, the XG at halftime ended up being Everton with 1.47 versus Arsenal at 0.36 per XG philosophy. And I'd say it felt like that too. And that was the interesting thing, especially in halftime was, you know, we had the better chances. We, we, we surely did not have possession in any sense of the word. And yet it was still entertaining. Um, it still looked like, you know, we were making great strides towards kind of our, our aim for the progression of the team and, and how we wanted to set up. And we were organized, which was good. I think the big question mark going into halftime seriously was, can they keep it up for a full 90? And, you know, they were they were running nonstop, especially out of possession. It makes it hard. Um, so that that was really the only question. But it was only positive going into halftime um, for Everton, I think. And look, looking at the second half, I mean, Arsenal had chances. I mean, they had lots of shots. They only hit the target once. I mean, maybe a little more quality in, in finishing could have could have tied it up but you know i don't think nothing clear no i mean we had numbers behind the ball but it was organized like you said there was a threat i mean look so let's talk about our goal i mean we finally break through in the 59th there's not much to say it's that far post thing for mcneil and and incredible service the burnley connection tark buries it in there and i don't want to say there was a sense of relief but 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 i felt like yeah what we deserved at that point didn't you i mean that that's how i felt entirely when it happened 
Yeah, and I think I think most Arsenal fans after the match kind of said too. I saw some of those, you know, cringe reaction videos of people that they do when they watch the match, and for some reason, people want to watch someone else watching the match. Um, Dude, that is. <laughs> but they were freaking out, you know, just saying, "Hey, Everton deserved it at this point. It was frustrating, and and obviously, again, it was kind of a meme because of the Burnley connection." Um, right after Sean Dyche comes in, but it worked out perfectly. That ball was on the entire match, even after that point. Um, and of course, it was funny to see literally immediately after. And I think, I think to be fair, Mope was was kind of getting ready to come on regardless around that time. But immediately after, he pulls DCL and brings on the moped in like the 62nd. Well, and there were a couple of big moments here, and Mikalenko had to take that yellow in the open field against Saka, and and I think those two combination things are concerning. I mean, you, you know, the moped is not do what Dominic Calvert Lewin does, and I think some of us were excited to see him as a second striker, not as the primary striker. But I and look, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about our concerns going forward. This is certainly one of them. Um, that being said, I knew when he came in, one thing would be absolutely certain that he was going to make things absolutely horrible for Arsenal. And Arsenal seems like the type of team that would not do well with it. And I don't think they did. Um, a little bit of a controversial moment in the 64th. I didn't see it this way, but there were lots of shouts for for penalty. Arsenal fans, um, not, look, collectively, Arsenal fans are not. I mean, look, a lot of it's Arsenal fan TV. But how funny is this? Notice, like, what kind of product do you have when you do better when your team's worse, by the way? <laughs> but it's so true. It's, it's so like true. Ars- Arsenal fan TV isn't as popular now because they're actually good. Um, I hope we never become that, frankly, speaking for the American Toffee podcast. Um, this isn't a penalty, is it, Alex? No, it's not even close to a penalty. He just He's just trying to shield the ball, right? Like, he's shielding the ball that's coming towards him. Our team already had kind of possession of it in anyway, so... I'd- I don't see it. I I think I think the timing of of the player just kind of running onto him as he shields it is is a little bit awkward. But it's it would have been soft as as who knows what. Well, right. He didn't move his feet. I mean, he was standing in the same place, and Gabriel goes flying. Like, no offense, buddy. Like, if you're that size, like, should you really be go flying at little? Right. I mean, I know the moped's a little stronger than maybe people think, but come on. I mean, and look, Coot didn't call it. John Brooks didn't call it. The VAR. I mean, we have VAR for this. It would have been totally weak. And, and this is one where it's like, stop whining. Like, do something that's deserving of a penalty. It would have been completely deserved against the run of play. Like, it's garbage. I mean, do you really, that's what you want? That's what you're hanging on to? No, look, you weren't playing very well. I don't want to say you got played off the pitch, but you weren't effective. You weren't dangerous. I mean, this is what you need. Stop it, man. If this is Everton and we'd have played like this and we'd have gotten that, I'd have maybe giggled, but I would have been like pathetic. Uh, so no, I, I wouldn't want to win that way. I mean, well, maybe at this point, I just want to win anyway. We can, but <laughs> look, and th- there was uh, a great moment with, with Mope when Onana gets the yellow, which, okay, it's an aggressive slide tackle, but really it looked like white stepped on his foot rather than the other. Maybe he got a little aggressive. Onana does this sometimes, but we need him to be aggressive in the tackle. So I get it. And the fact that Neil's in there, like shoving Jaco, which, you know, he's going to get fired up and trying to get him off his game was just so funny. Um, I mean, there really wasn't much else. Alex, I mean, Trissard had a decent shot, kind of. The only shot of target they had was in the 77th. It was a heavy shot, right? But it wasn't Yeah, I mean, it wasn't super concerned about it. It would have been a hell of a shot just to score there. I mean, Pickford gets a yellow for time-wasting. I mean, pretty deserved. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course it was deserved. I mean, really, the, the, the rest of the match, my anxiety was peaked, and yet 
for once, I really didn't have a reason to feel that way, right? I mean, as you said, it was more of the same. It wasn't much of a difference. I, I was kind of worried once Trossard came off the bench. But as you said, the only shot on target in the second half for them, and it, it wasn't anything um, super impressive. So really, the, the only uh, notable thing prior to, obviously, all the big cheers at the end was in the 94th, in which uh, you know your favorite guy, Mope, had... Uh, had a really <coughs> enjoyable time making sure we could close it out with a successful win for Everton Football Club. I mean, in all honesty, I have watched this now so many times because it is comedy gold. I, I laugh out loud every time I watch it. It's just, I don't know it's better, the double ball situation or his flop. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> the ball boy gets some credit on this one. You know, Zinchenko is about to throw it in and the ball boy just guns a ball onto the field. <laughs> the second ball i i don't know why that happened but that was absolute genius and, and then the even better aspect of it is the ball's laying there and the moped goes over and kicks it kind of away but he doesn't kick it back off the pitch he kicks it onto the pitch in a place where an arsenal player can't get it but far enough on the pitch where they can't let the game go and i'm just laughing when i see that i'm like oh that's classic and then even better zinchenko gets it from the throw and I mean, Mope just absolutely kicks him or takes a swipe at him pretty good. And he knows he's wound up. Sinchenko's already probably mad for missing the shot on the top of the 18. And um, Sinchenko steps to him and goes after him. And I, I don't even know how to describe this, Alex. He's like grabs him and brings him down with him. And, and he's laying on the ground laughing and pointing in Zinchenko's face without looking at him. And Zinchenko's trying to get him wound up, too, and pointing at his face and you know, Neil's like, dude, I, this is like my life. I mean, do you really think you're going to win this one? I mean, I, I just, I, I was laughing so hard. Mope is not bothered at all. He knows exactly what he was doing. And this probably wasted two or three minutes. Our guys run in and get in Sinchenko's face. And I, I mean, he's, I, I think my, what I wrote in the document was he's smiling like a butcher's dog. That's the, the, the <laughs> phrase that comes to life. I mean, this is just. I, I don't know. I, I quite enjoyed this because of the old, uh, the absurdity. I don't know how I would have felt as an Arsenal fan. I think I'd been ready to kill him. Yeah, I can tell you how they felt. They, they plastered all over social media. But the funny thing is that reminded me of, I think it was seven, eight years ago, Stephen Naismith pointing and just laughing like an absolute madman. Um, I can't even remember what opponent it was either. But maybe we have another one, uh, another Stephen Naismith on our hands. We could only be so lucky. Um, in the end, it ended up being a good result. The XG... For Everton was 1.6 versus Arsenal 0 0.9. Um, we know we've talked about our issues scoring uh, goals, creating chances to score goals. Um, we've talked about our issues in transition, our uh, our defense in general, and how you know, especially in the in the first part of the season, we were uh, we were overperforming our expected goals against. But this, the interesting thing is, this ended up being Arsenal's second highest expected goals against. And also their second lowest expected goals for in the league, which spells a very impressive performance from Everton at Goodison Park, especially the first one under Sean Dyche, only five days or so to work with the new uh, coach and his staff. Absolutely deserved one. And that, that's all it really was. You know, we were organized, created the better chances, and it's, it's nothing more than that. Um, there were a lot of good performances today, Alex. I think it was hard to pick. One, I know I struggled a little bit. Um, I'm not surprised who you picked, though. Yeah, I'm sure everyone everyone probably picked him. I think I think the fans officially voted for him on the uh, Everton Twitter page. But it was always going to be an Onana for me. He had most touches on the team, uh, only four more than Alex Owobi. Two key passes, 80% pass accuracy, which was good. Four tackles, a couple interceptions, a clearance, and a block. 
And also one disgusting turn to send Thomas party back to the courtroom. Uh, I thought he thrived in the new system, uh, clearly played to his strengths, especially as you said, and, it, and it's something that we've talked about a couple times on the pod, right? The ability for the ball side CM to kind of press and play a little bit forward. Obviously he was kind of more so on the left-hand side. I thought that that allowed him to get forward, play to his strengths. Um, obviously that, that, that moment in which he kind of burst down the left-hand flank um, and swings the cross into Dominic Calvert-Lewin was a great example. He, uh, I think he can really thrive in the system in the role that he's being asked to play. It'll be good. Hopefully we just see some consistency because, you know, how does a 21 year old player in a new league, um, you know, perform and continue to impress when, when he's asked to play a different role every single week. Um, and his teammates don't even <laughs> fully grasp how they're being set up or what they're being asked to do. So, um, a bit of a rant, but let me toss it to you for your good. Well, I, I think Sean Dice will be good for him. Um, I know some people may say, well, you really need to start to get his offensive game developed. I actually disagree. I think when I watched him play in France, what was most concerning to me is some of his defensive positioning and decision-making in terms of when to jump in and when not to. And he was usually flanked by a a more responsible defensive-style midfielder, which he's getting that now, and he's getting the support. And he's allowed to have a little more freedom, I think, in this setup. Um, But I think Sean Dyche is the perfect guy to really kind of help coach him in terms of that defensive positioning and when to go forward and when to not. And I think if he can get that down and not get caught up field and make those decisions in the flow of the game better, I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy. No question about it. Um, I'm going to take an Andy Watt here at what a wild world. Um, his tweet, Awobi was immense today, helped Coleman do so much with Trossard. Best game in an Everton shirt for McNeil. Goal made in Burnley. Miko really picked up today. Amazing what happens when your fullbacks aren't isolated. Cody was the only worry today. Even then, it was fleeting. And, and that's why, I mean, he had so many good performances. It's tough to, tough to choose. I'm actually, I, I know I tend to hesitate to pick a Wobie because everyone, you know, thinks I'm like a Wobie's <laughs> number one fan. Uh, but I'm going to pick a Wobie. And I'll tell you why. Because I feel like his role today was actually probably underappreciated. Um, had the most, had four shot-created actions, led the team. Granted, he was taking corners, which is weird. Um Five progressive passes tied with DeCorey for the lead. Seven for 11 in long balls. Uh, three passes into the penalty area, led the team there. Three key passes tied for the team lead. Two for two in tackles. And him and Coleman, basically, when he got flipped back over to the right, Martinelli did nothing. I mean, nothing. They had to sub him off. He was completely ineffective. Um, and that's hard to do. His ball movement is very good. He's a very clever player. Um, five progressive carries tied with McNeil. Think about that. You've tied for the team lead in progressive passes and carries. Um, 121 progressive distance yards led the team in, in carries. Th- that's his value in this setup. You know, his ability to transition, which is hard because that's going to be the challenge with Dice. You know, you can keep a center forward up there. He can hold the ball up. You can't hold it up forever. There needs to be another outlet. So how do we make that transition? This is where Rafa blew it, honestly, with Everton. Had he been smart enough and gone against the grain and had the courage to play a Wobi? Whereas I, I'm convinced he didn't play him because he knew the fans didn't like him. And if he played a Wobi and Bameen, it would have been an acknowledgement that Brands knew what he was doing. I'm totally convinced this is why he did it, by the way, because that's how this guy thinks, sadly. Um, he could have been our pinpoint transition guy because you saw it today. No bad touches, no miscontrols. He did give it away a couple times on passes, and and but he's you know he's in high traffic areas. It's hard. Two for three in dribbles. Tie for team lead. He received six progressive passes. I mean, 41 touches second on the team. That is what we call 
a stat sheet stuff stuffer, but I think it was um, illustrative of his overall play. And I thought he was really critical uh, not to take anything away from the other guys mentioned because I mean, all those guys contributed. It was a team effort. Yeah. And it was, it was good to see too. And that's, that's the interesting thing. Can you, are, are we going to argue that Awobi should be played elsewhere after, you know, his first performance that way? You know, can you, can you give up his defensive abilities, work rate to play some elsewhere and, you know, to say, for example, play gray instead or play gray instead of McNeil. Um, it's tough. It's tough when he can play that well on the right-hand side, Ryan. It really I, is. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's the thing in this setup, um, you know, he's not going to be too dangerous crossing ball from the right. Um, although maybe with a little more purpose, he will be, but much like he played right for Carlo. Why we really didn't have anyone when Hamas went down. So, so I get it. So, I hope that fans look at this and say, wow, he's really versatile, but he's really a left-sided player. They didn't do that in the past, and they were very critical of him. And that that that's actually why I even started you know, talking so much about Awobi. I just felt like it was unfair. But he definitely, he definitely came to play um, yesterday for sure. Um, okay, look, instead of us picking up bad performances, I, I think the better way to look at this, okay, great performance, good start. Any concerns that you see still remain? Because, I mean, the first one I thought, Alex, was Connor Cody. Um, he had a bad giveaway late, missed a tackle in the middle field at, we, at one point, and, you, you know, just exposed from his, his lack of aggression and um, just his lack of athleticism. He had a great tackle at the top of the 18 at one point, but literally it's his only defensive action. I mean, his only tackle, no interceptions. And so zero for six and long passes. I mean, he's the only starter to not have a pass in the final third. So his ball playing wasn't on point. So I, I guess I'll ask the question. I hear a lot. Well, he's vocal and he organizes the defense. I just don't think that's quite enough. So that concerns me, um, especially if we have the ball a little bit more and we're not quite as compact. I don't know. I mean, are you concerned about that too? I mean, do you think that, I mean, see the right guy to play against Liverpool? I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious. He seems like the obvious weak link to me. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you and most people, me included, right? The question is, why is Yeri Mina not on the pitch with James Tarkovsky in the center of defense? I don't I don't see any negatives. I think Yeri brings a big, you know, cutting edge. And we've talked about how good he is with the ball, um, how good he is on defense, how good he is aerially defending and offensively. Beep drill. Um, Beep drill. Right. He didn't yeah. do well in the beep drill. McNeil <laughs> yeah. did. That's why I started. Yeah, of course. So no, but maybe he's um, not fit. No, I mean, honestly, Alex. And, and look, if Dice yeah. doesn't ever want to sub, which he doesn't seem to want to, which is good and bad, I'm I okay. Yeah, I mean I, that was that was really my main concern, right? My main concern after the match, um, it was a big question. Lampard really had a bad reputation of leaving subs late, only using a couple. When now you know we have five to use. We came into the season thinking, hey, our squad's a little bit more deeper than it has been in the past, at least on the bench, and yet. We saw Sean Dyche only use one sub, which was Mope for Dominic Calvert-Lewin at the 60-minute mark. Um, you know, he said it was precautionary for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which is probably true. Obviously, he mentioned, you know, Gray had hip issues, so you couldn't see him come off the bench. But I think it's concerning because of the fact that, you know, we've got a long season still to go. Um, you know, everyone gets a, a clean slate. But the way that we're set up, the way that, that, that the team is going to be asked to play, especially with the press and the organization, the fact that, you know, a lot of times we're not going to have possession, so we're going to be doing a lot of off-the-ball running. Um, it's concerning, and, and you wonder, really, how long can you go and how long can you keep that up without subs? Um, again, this comes back to the fact that, you know, we just sold Gordon for, you know, between 45 50 million U.S. dollars, and he is one of those guys off the bench, um, although, you know, 
Shout out to Gordon. I know he came off the bench for Newcastle and uh, seemingly stunk it up. Yeah, maybe that's bad. just making myself feel better. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, he was better than that. Honestly, he looked actually a little lively. But yeah, some of the quality of his play. There was one point he didn't even check his shoulder and got the ball stolen at the end. I thought they were going to score back against him, and I would have cackled. Um, I, I think it's fair to ask the question, Alex. That, look, there's so much hesitancy to go to five subs. And managers, you think, would be thrilled about that. And Sean Dyche doesn't seem so. Again, I understand chemistry and and defending as a collective. And that does require some reps. And it's hard to sub people in and out. I I get that. So maybe that's the real explanation for it. But credit to White McNeil and Alex Awobi. I mean, their roles out wide required tremendous fitness. And they showed it. I mean, really, to go back and forth and be part of the attack, as well as being the the key elements to, to... Double team the Y players, which was key, I think, to the defensive setup. I mean, you're asking, you're asking a lot there for sure. Um, I will say this, and and um, at Patrick Ridge, I think his point is the right one. If I look at the squad, my bigger concern is that uh, the moped, his quote is uh, having to come in for DCL is a huge issue. That's the main failing in recruitment, but otherwise that's as good as you're going to get from these players have to try and sustain that now home games and keeping DCL fit going to be absolutely crucial. And I agree. I mean, you saw it. He's just not the same player. Doesn't mean he's a bad player. Uh, I think we've seen very obviously that some players can play now (laughs) magically, like it's magic that it happened, which is a joke, but whatever. Um, but yeah, this is a concern and one to watch. And I mean, there's no, you know, look to free agency. I mean, do you bring in a target guy? We we had Artem Zuba maybe in, but he's been, uh, some of his comments that are, and they're not pro-Russia war, but he's not one of those guys that's come out and is like abhorrent to his own country. And so I don't, I don't know how well that would be received with Mikolinko in the locker room. But, I, you know, I, I don't I don't see that alternative. There is some crazy rumor that, uh Obama Yang is going to cancel his contract and come in. And, <laughs> oh, yep. I mean, where did, I mean, you've got to be, that's not even good creative. You know what I mean? Like, I, I swear we should have our own separate site, like fake spoof site to do this stuff. We'd make a fortune. Obama Yang pulling up in his rainbow Lamborghini to 18th place to Everton Wait, at Finch Farm. Does he have a rainbow Lamborghini? I'm sure he does. Oh, good point. Yes, Literally, I'm does. sure yeah. he is. Why would yeah, I ask that yeah. question? Of course he does. <laughs> it's um, Obama Yang. He's very, he's very flamboyant in his wealth, especially his cars from what I understand. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you know, him and I are basically the same person. So I hear him, um, you know, anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's get into listener comments. There's so many of them. Thank you very much for the participation. I know people are excited. It's a win. And and um, we normally get a little more listenership when we do something positive. Uh, but there are all sorts of great comments on this one. And, and people are energized. And I totally get it. Uh, I like the first couple because it kind of plays on that, Alex, that idea that, um, you know, people clearly can play better or worse depending on the setup and depending on the manager and i think decore is is an obvious beneficiary that was not a beneficiary with frank but he's really been good with everyone else so i like what nick and both coco say here yep nick weinstein at nick weinstein 27 said decore isn't a bad player who knew organized team back post set pieces great from mcneil onano dcl mo pay a blank house you fill it in get in we also had Coco at Florida Toffee. Ducore is a man possessed under Dyche. And it's interesting too, because you know, if, if you look at if you look at the midfield three in, in Ducore, Ghana, and Onana, you may say that, you know, Ducore arguably had less of, you know, less of an influence on the game. And actually a special shout out to Ghana too. I was looking at the stats on who scored, and somehow Ghana had one hundred percent pass accuracy. 
Um, I, I, I just really felt the need to throw that out there. You do not see that very often at all in the 90 minute match. Well, not with the pressure he's under, you know, and, and he's not a lawn and who's like the greatest thing I've ever seen at making those short little like two foot passes that, that leaves pressure, but gone into his role and played it very well. Yeah. DeCorey was, was more of a progressive force today. And, and that's the thing. If you're going to not have subs, that guy can run forever man it would have been nice to see him finish that goal but he still even got forward and and that's going to be the key right if you want to score goals and we're going to persist with that four five one which again it, it's pretty close to a four four two honestly like the second that center mid attacks the ball it's a four four two so right. and, and i think that's the beauty of it dice is like look he talked in his master class about five yards suddenly that becomes a four five one and that's a perfect example um i think it's important for every team to at least have a base you know, you can do a lot of things from that base and change tactics that are still effective, but I think it's a lot easier. Um, yeah, players don't nosedive in, in a few months. Dwight McNeil looked like a different player. No, he's the same player. Um, DeCorey, same player. Neil Mope is going to be the same player, too, if you put him in the right role. Today, he was in a difficult role. I wish people would acknowledge that, yeah, he, he wasn't great. Well, yeah, I mean, because he's being asked to do play a single striker and lead the line against the best team in the league. I mean, come on. Um I think the next couple of quotes is interesting. You know, is there more talent in here than we think? When Sean Dice said, hey, I've had a lot less talented teams get safe. James and I kind of went back and forth on the last pod, if you remember, Alex, about, OK, is this the most talented? And, and, and you opined as well. This is maybe his most talented team. It might not be the most talented relative to the league. The league has changed a lot. I'm curious what you think about some of these comments from Nathan and Clyde. And let me just say, Clyde is an awesome name by the way like if your name clyde you almost have to be cool and i said <laughs> seriously i think you're allowed to say that yeah yeah okay so I, I, so, I, so first one nathan brackens at n brackens 10 there is talent in this team tactical decisions today brought the absolute best out of every single player big test coming against sides who want us to have the ball but for now up the winning toffees that's the big point, right? We yeah. just want to see our players are successful in the system and you can focus on their strengths. Right. And I think that's what we saw. The fullbacks were not isolated. They weren't overly expansive where their athleticism was exposed. Um, we stayed compact. I think we needed to do that. I mean, Cody's maybe the only one you could argue is not great in that regard, but his organization and his chemistry with Tarkowski mattered. You had Ghana in a in a more conservative role, a more organized, a more disciplined role. He's not the most disciplined player, but for those that have seen us play at PSG, he's improved that area of, of his playing. His issue is his lack of expansiveness. He didn't have to be expansive in that role. It freed up Onan and Decore to get up the pitch a lot, which they can because they're phenomenal athletes. And then it allowed McNeil and Awobi took advantage of their fitness and allowed Dominic Calvert-Lewin to stay up high where he could hold up the ball. I mean, and Pickford is one that we didn't mention. His ability to strike quickly and move the ball very quickly and be dangerous on the outlet. We didn't see too much of it. To me, that's that's a good way to get the best out of those guys. And I think Clyde's point now becomes relevant because his comment is, I've said it for weeks. This Everton team is constructed is not as bad as advertised and just needed the right person to put it together. Clearly, Lampard as a manager is out of his depth as a manager, and Dyche is one in one game has proved that and more. Is that too strong, Alex, or do you think that's a fair thing to say? I mean, it kind of felt like it. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair thing to say, right? As I mentioned, I watched the team for 10 minutes in which we didn't have uh, the majority of possession, and it still felt very night and day, literally night and day in, in regards to how the team was set up, how we looked. Um, in our organization itself, it was great. And I think it is it, that it speaks volumes as to what we've had to watch over the last 18 months. 
And I think the next quote here, NTX Blue 1878, proof that players are faster and work harder when they know where they're supposed to go. In for all the Everton Redemption arcs, the rest of the way up the Toffees. I mean, do we really feel like we lacked effort before? I, I never felt that way. I don't know if you agree with me. No, I think I think it just it looks different because you know you're you're trying to cover, but the presses in the in the past were not organized in any sense of the word. Um, you know, especially with the timing of the press from other players, you know, the other teammates. So it uh, I think I think the effort and the graph that they're putting in on on the pitch is the same. It just it's it's coming to it's 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 coming to fruition in regards to what you're aiming to do with it. Yeah, there's um, purpose, especially in the transition game. I mean, and I would argue we didn't even execute it all that well sometimes in transition and finding Dom and giving the ball in the right spot. But right. but that'll come. But but at least you saw intent and purpose. I think a lot of people watch teams play very fast sometimes and think the players are just geniuses without realizing, yep. no, man, that's literally on a whiteboard pass A, B, C, D. That's it, you know, and um. And it was nice, too, because we were also purposeful in the way we disrupted Arsenal's flow because they sometimes look very quick, fast with the ball, and they and they did not. Um, I think these next two are, well, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let you read them and we <laughs> can talk about them because it begs to ask, I don't want to pile too much on Frank here, but it begs to ask a fair question of both the board and Frank Lampard. It does. First up, we had Ryan Reynolds at Ryan Reynolds, eighty-six. No, not not the the super. Are you uh, sure? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty positive. Although sometimes people get confused. Um, they said can't help but wonder how the last month would have gone with that type of organization, but can't change that now. If this is the blueprint going forward, points shouldn't be so hard to come by as they have been since October. And then Kevin Dyer at Nebula nineteen seventy nine chimed in with, "Well, we absolutely do not lose to Southampton Wolves." Or West Ham, that's a hundred percent all there for the taking. Ugh. It's hard to argue it. I mean, our organization, the ac- the execution against an Arsenal team <laughs> such as that, um, with those crazy protests, Ryan, right? With with pro- fan protests, how do we do it? Right. I'll tell you what, though. Go look at the table. Uh, no, I actually don't because you'll just want to throw up and take away two points from each of those guys. Give them only one for the tie, and then give us three more. I mean. It changes everything, everything. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I look great and even play. Um, but but I think James Garner here goes on and, and at J.R. Gardner 91 makes a comment about the wide players. And I think what we were most critical of and where we thought the biggest need at the window was was wide attack because we felt like we just didn't have the right guys there or didn't have the numbers and really needed a difference maker out there because that would free up a Wobie to maybe play in the middle if whoever came in played three-man mid or or in this case, maybe play the second striker role, um, which we didn't see today, but it would have been interesting if it did. But his comment is genuinely night and day. The wide players were immense in this setup and the addition of Dukes in the midfield, I think really made the difference. Hugely promising start to the Dice era. They've sucked me back in. Um godfather three reference um yeah i i think if your question mark was about the wide players it's hard to argue with the performance of mcneil and awobi today Uh, they were indeed immense and just the physical requirements of this was was tremendous the problem is we really don't have anyone else i think that can do that and that's going to be a big challenge no question about it 
So that wraps it up for the listener comments. Um, sorry we didn't get everyone's in. There were so many good ones. Um, it's just so nice to see listeners excited again. So look, it's a good start, as Sean Dyche said, and and he deserves a lot credit for that start. But look, the table's still not pretty. You know, um, Everton's still in 18th, uh, tied with Leeds. Uh, I think that game probably wrapped up already. Didn't look like they got a point, but they still had two games in front of us or at hand. Now they've got only one more. Um, West Ham is at 19th. Uh, Wolves is at 20. I feel like West Ham and Wolves have a lot of talent. They should be fine. This jumps forced up. Leicester, I thought, looked awful against Villa and magically scored five goals or four goals. You know, it's hard to say. Uh, and look, Leeds have a really tough schedule going forward. Maybe they're the one that goes down, but it's still difficult to see, okay, who do we leapfrog? But look, we keep playing like this with purpose. Hopefully it'll work out. And to get too wrapped up on the table at this point with, you know, 17 matches left is probably a little bit unnecessary. Some people are calling, uh, saying six more wins will do it because 38 points ultimately has has been safe most of the time uh and and six more three eighteen that gets us to thirty six um pardon me over thirty six has been safe something like seven out of the last eight years um but look like Southampton and Bournemouth are certainly on their way headed, but you know you look at that if those guys catch fire, you never know. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. uh I know we had a little delay getting this one out, but I wanted to make sure that we got everything in um please. Subscribe to our Discord, um, and um, certainly we'll be back. Next match is the Derby. That's going to be a big one. Uh, any last final words, Alex? It was a solid win. It was a fun time actually recording after a win. Uh, obviously, that's that's probably apparent by the fact that we scrapped the bad section, if you will. I just got tiring. So appreciate all the support uh, with the episode. Appreciate all the listener comments, as I'm sure we've said quite a few times. And we will see you next time. Until then, up the toffees.